December 28th. 2018 edition Weekly Signals Weekly Review. Well, let's call it World Report, okay? Yeah. <clears throat> let's call it World Report. I'm okay with that. Broadcasting from Studio A at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And as always, the pilot of Oumuamua, Mahler, the fake news dog. <laughs> yeah, Mahler. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, get it all out, Mahler. <laughs> Coming up, uh-huh. bone spurs. Okay. Suckers. Suckers. I know what yeah. you mean, suckers. Yeah. yeah suckers. <laughs> yeah, suckers. The shutdown and more. But first, would you like to live underground, Mike? No. Okay. I don't think I would. Is there cable TV? There's all the conveniences, okay. modern conveniences uh, of 21st century life. It probably is an environmentally better thing to do if we're living underground. What do you think, Nathan? Researchers are exploring the use of abandoned mines and other subterranean facilities in the UK and China as alternatives to traditional agricultural land. In the UK, there are over 1,500 redundant coal mines. And in China, there are over 12,000 abandoned coal mines, 7.2 billion cubic meters of tunnels, and about 1 billion cubic meters of civic air defense tunnels in China. Oh, wow. That's a lot of space there. That is. Underground. Yeah. The UN predicts the world's population will grow by 1 billion by 2050. Wow. That's a lot more people. And that will mean uh, we need to nearly double our current food production levels, yeah, which today leaves 815 million people chronically undernourished. So we don't want to up that figure. No. Instead of simply doubling the amount of agricultural land with all the economic and environmental crap yeah. that comes along with putting stuff on top of the land and, and knocking down more rainforests, right now, scientists are exploring the possibility of subterranean Farms. What do you think, Mahler? He does a lot of digging. Yeah. So it's something he can relate to. He he's he's buried a few bones out there, yeah. haven't you, Mahler? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. He knows he knows about he knows about stashing things underground. Yeah. My problem with that statement and with the story is not that the story's bad or wrong or anything. It's that the population of the world will continue to go up. And as what I recall from a couple of years ago, an article we read here or we talked about here on Weekly Signals was that the planet can safely sustain somewhere around four to six billion people, maybe yeah. five. I'll say five billion is a safe number. Five billion people. Yeah. We can handle that we can take care of it. Take We can do all the stuff we need to do. And the number that you just suggested is a, around the corner. The horizon is north of nine billion people. And it seems to me that we're looking the wrong way. Okay. Shouldn't we consider birth control? Yeah. Women need to be able to decide what and how and when they want to have babies. That's a big well, part. Well, some women want to have lots of babies. That's fine. And they need they, to learn yes. that they shouldn't they should because yes. we'll need subterranean farms yeah. if they keep doing that. Yeah. And then we're going to have to bring lighting into these things. Yes, we will. And that's going to take some type of energy boost. Will, that's and how we generate that energy will impact right. our above-ground environment. 
Or we could also just make an alliance with the mole people. Yeah. And they would help us generate power. According to Putin. Yes. You know that guy? I do. Vladimir Putin. Vladimir. Russia conducted a final test of a nuclear-capable glider that flies at 20 times the speed of sound. Putin also said the weapon will be ready to blow things up next year. Yeah. Yeah. Then I'll launch it, and it'll be flying around. Well, thank God we finally have a country that's prepared to blow up things. Yeah. The new weapon called Avangard. They could have come up with a better name. They, they needed to workshop that. Yeah. Let's just say that. Well, it's yeah. Putin's idea, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably is you know, uncle, yeah. uncle Avangard. <laughs> anyway, Avangard has the Pentagon here in the U.S. all a Twitter about jacking up the arms race with Russia and China with missiles that can maneuver easily and travel much faster than the speed of sound. So this means defense contracts. Yes. You got to even wonder if this is active measures, you know, a bunch of crap. Yeah. That they really don't right. have this. Yeah. That it's not as advanced, you know, or moving along as quickly as Putin says it is. So then we run, we run around with our hair on fire. Yeah. Spending billions that. of dollars on something, chasing our tail. Or it boosts the defense industry on both sides. Yeah. In Russia and in the U.S. Right. And they make lots of money. Yeah. Putin makes lots of money. Yeah. Dick Cheney makes a lot of money. Yeah. But we just sit around and uh, worry about subterranean farms. <laughs> After being launched by a rocket, Avangard carrying a nuclear payload, if it wants, detaches and glides back to Earth at hypersonic speeds. It is so fast and agile, Putin claims, that it will be able to evade missile defenses well off into the future. Yeah, that sounds like Ruski BS. The U.S. is also working on hypersonic missiles, and the Pentagon has dramatically increased its budget for this crap. Yeah. So that's really what the story is. Yeah. Pentagon wants to go faster and maneuver really well. Just there, in case we yeah. have a nuclear holocaust, we'll be able to maneuver. This is a piece in a puzzle yeah. that is concerning. One is that we're making smaller tactical nuclear weapons. Yeah. Now we have weapons that go faster, more difficult to detect in yeah. time. We're militarizing outer space. This is all part of this sort of jacking up the, the arms race again. They say it's going to destabilize parts of Europe and Asia where leaders will only have a few seconds to react. Yes. A few seconds. Yes. Yes, a few seconds. Yeah. Are we going to launch? Uh, 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 too late. Uh, late. Mahler, what do you think? Yeah. Mahler just detonated. Yeah, he, he just, <laughs> yeah. Oh, Mahler, <laughs> Well, Mahler, he's underground. He doesn't care. Yeah. Uh, hey, there you go. Yeah. yeah. That's, we that's... just run underground <laughs> with all our foliage. <laughs> Trump's sudden orders to withdraw troops from Syria and Afghanistan and Defense Secretary James Mattis's subsequent resignation have left even the highest-ranking U.S. military officials questioning what the F is going on. Yeah. How do they tell their ground troops what's going on? I don't think anybody really knows exactly what's going to happen, said General Robert Neller. He doesn't know. He doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> Military commanders are reportedly receiving no timelines, hard numbers, or orders from the Pentagon. Nothing formal, just tweets. Yeah. That's really good, said Navy Secretary Richard Spencer. This is Secretary of the Navy. Yeah. And he's just getting tweets about what the Pentagon's position is in Syria. 
This is why having a manifestly unfit person to be president of the largest military in the history of the world is a really bad idea. Yeah. Meanwhile, Trump, is that who you're talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Trump, who has been seething about news coverage of Defense Secretary Jim Mattis's pointed resignation letter, yes. abruptly announced that he, Trump, was removing Mattis two months before his planned departure and installing Patrick Shanahan as acting Defense Secretary. Shanahan, a former Boeing executive, of course. who has been Mattis's deputy at the Pentagon, will assume the top job in an acting capacity beginning January 1st. We got a lot of acting people. We do. In in uh, we have an acting attorney our, general. That's right. We have an acting uh, secretary. You would probably have the list there. The but. EPA administrator. Yeah, that's right. Chief of staff of the White House. They're all actors. On January second, <laughs> the Interior Department will also have an acting secretary. Unlike Mattis, Shanahan was not in the military and has little foreign policy or government experience. Oh, that's good. Oh, wow. Since his arrival at the Pentagon, Shanahan has emphasized making the department more business friendly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a great, great idea. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Muller. Yeah. The Pentagon's always been so anti-business. Yeah. I think one of the reasons that Trump picked him, probably because he's a groveling sycophant, that's one reason. Shanahan. Yeah. Yeah. The other reason is he's similar to Trump. He comes into government with no government experience. You mean he's stupid? He's he's stupid about this, about protecting the public interest. Yeah. He's ignorant about how government works. That's right. And, and why government is important to not be always completely friendly to a business. That's yeah. not what their job is to do. It's to break it down and figure out what's good for the country, That's right. not what's good for the defense industry or military industry. And he also likes the Space Force, well, Shanahan. There, there you go, <laughs> yeah. because there's a lot of money in space yeah. right now. And most of the military does not like the Space Force. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this news sickens you. May I recommend a donation to KUCI-FM to ease your spirits? Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Yeah. How we do it? That's KUCI.org. Have you heard about Captain Bonespurs? His latest adventure? Please tell me more. Let's call him Cadet. Captain's a little bit too. <laughs> that would yeah. assume he was actually in the military yeah. at some point. Cadet Bonespurs. <laughs> it was reported a podiatrist <laughs> in the 1960s who rented office space from Cadet Bonespurs' father. <laughs> As a favor, claimed Cadet Bone Spurs had bone spurs huh. in his feet, which made Cadet Bone Spurs ineligible to serve in Vietnam. No, I didn't serve in Vietnam. I did not but I did not ever want to. I was prepared to leave the country. Mm -hmm. I saw it for what I think it was. Yeah. We had every opportunity to deal with Vietnam diplomatically. That's right. Ho Chi Minh came here. He was a great admirer of Thomas Jefferson yeah. and our Constitution. Yes, and he was v vehemently anti-Chinese. There is a cultural resistance to all things Chinese in Vietnam. So there was no threat that they were suddenly going to link up with the Chinese and take over Asia. Yeah. No sense for that war. None. So to avoid the bad press, mm -hmm. Cadet Bonespurs <laughs> went to visit the U.S. troops stationed in Iraq. 
<laughs> he has left the country. Surprise! In the dead of the night, he snuck out. And it was a nice break from Donald's. Yeah. In case you didn't know who we're talking about. Yeah, we're talking about our current commander-in-chief. His other holiday activities, which included tweeting complaints about how he was all alone in the White House. Poor me, he tweeted. Because of a government shutdown, he single-handedly caused and telling reporters on Christmas Day that it's a disgrace what's happening in this country. But other than that, I wish everybody a very Merry Christmas. I watched about five minutes of that weird, again, increasingly bizarre encounters with the press that Trump now has. He feels like any sort of standing on ceremony or some kind of protocol or norms are completely, he's completely unshackled now. Whatever comes to his mind, he says, in ways that are usually false or completely inappropriate. That's it. That's his palette. That's his his range of things that he talks about in, in front of a camera now are either lies or completely inappropriate. Cadet Bonespurs even managed to F up his military visit. (laughs) Trump revealed that a U.S. Navy SEAL team was deployed in Iraq. Current and former Defense Department officials said that information concerning what units are deployed and where is almost always classified and is a violation of operational security. He even tweeted out a photograph of of the uh, SEALs in full uniform. Oh, my God. And uh, said where they were, which is, you know, I mean, it's it's not horrible, but the only reason he's doing that is so we'll forget his bone spurs. But just real, one real quick thing is, constitutionally, he can dis- declassify anything he wants as yeah. commander in chief, as president of the United States. So technically, we, he can't get in trouble for doing that. Right. However, in terms of what it is to be the commander in chief of a military, it is your obligation to protect the safety of every single yeah. service man and woman. Oh, he's using them as props. Exactly. And that's the sad part about this whole affair. Apparently, there have been rumblings within the military about his manifestly unfit behavior to be commander-in-chief. But what happens when he orders something to happen and the Joint Chiefs of Staff say no? Yeah. We talked about this two years ago when he became president. There will be a moment when he will ask them to do something that they will refuse to do. What happens next? Then Trump incorrectly told troops in Iraq he gave them their first pay raise in more than 10 years. <laughs> just, just... He, he said that one before. Yeah. You got one of the biggest pay raises you've ever received. You haven't gotten one in more than 10 years. Lie. More than 10 years. Lie again. And we got you a big one. Well, it was, it was scheduled. It was scheduled. They yeah. get one almost every year. I week. got you a big one. <laughs> I got you a big one. I think they've been they've gotten one yeah. almost every year. Yeah, you know, he made the mistake and said the word we. If you notice that quote there. Yeah. We got you a yeah. big one. Mm-hmm. Then he corrects it twice. I got you. <laughs> I did it. Oh. In reality, military pay has increased every year for more than three decades. Okay. It was raised 2.4% in 2018, then 2.6% in 2019. Uh, Trump said he raised the pay by 10%. A lie. (laughs) We're no longer the suckers, folks, he said about pulling out of Syria. Now, there's some good things about pulling out of Syria, but you just don't leap out of Syria. You just don't announce it 
in a tweet. So you have to work this out so it's a smooth transition. This is not a smooth transition. We have about 2,000 troops, right? And, and yeah. so forth, we know of. There's about officially 2,000 troops in yeah. Syria, right? This is how crazy this is. It seemed to have been spurred by a phone call between Erdogan, the president of Turkey, yeah. and Trump. They were on a phone call. Obviously, people are listening in from on our side, including John Bolton, who is manifestly unfit to be the national security advisor. Like he was shocked by the decision. Everybody was. Trump, yeah. They were on the phone. Apparently, Erdogan brought up a campaign promise that, that Trump had made. Hey, you said you were going to withdraw troops from Syria. And what makes this even more egregious and horrible is Erdogan has made it publicly known that he is going to basically wipe out the Kurds in northeastern Syria as soon as he can. The minute he gets the chance to Trump do it. doesn't have any idea and, of that. And, yeah, and the, what's keeping Turkey from doing that is we have 2,000 troops in yeah. Syria. And the Kurds have been our most consistent, stalwart, stubborn allies throughout all of this stuff, going back to the war in Kuwait back in 91 when they got the short end of it there because we withdrew, because of what we did to Iraq. They have been on our side for as long as we've been there. And this will will allow Turkey to go in there and essentially wipe out the Kurds. Yes. Everyone in the room was surprised that Trump said what he said. Even Erdogan was apparently surprised. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us at facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9 on our Tumblr blog at KUCIradio.tumblr.com on Twitter at KUCIFM. Stream us live on iTunes. Go to Internet College University, KUCI 88.9 FM. We got a shutdown going on. It's unclear how long this partial shutdown of the federal government will last. It began midnight last Friday because Trump didn't get his wall. That's what this is about. (laughs) Trump suggested that it could last a very long time. Trump claimed that most of the people not getting paid in the shutdown are Democrats. I don't get that at all. Days after he said that many federal workers support his call for more border wall funding. Right. So what is it? Are right. they Democrats right. or are they Trump supporters? All that aside, federal <laughs> workers don't go to their job with any partisan affiliation. They go to do the job for the country. They don't go as a Democrat or a Republican. I know this for a fact. I worked in a public agency. When we sat around the table, yeah. we weren't saying, all the Dems raise your hand. Yeah. Uh, Trump made the claim. In a tweet, as the shutdown entered its sixth day, have the Democrats finally realized that we are desperately needing a border wall security and a wall on the southern border? Need to stop drugs, human trafficking, gang members, and criminals. I'm a racist from coming into our country. Oh, Nathan, I swear. Yeah, that's where all the gang members are. I swear to God. Yeah. Yeah, that's where they are. (laughs) <laughs> the drugs are all down there, too. They're all just sitting on the border uh, in pallets. About 25% of the federal government has been shut down, with roughly 800,000 workers affected, including an estimated 350,000 who are on furlough at home without pay. Trump wants $5 billion in funding for his wall. Congressional Democrats have rejected that and made a counteroffer for border security of as much as $1.6 billion, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you know her. Yeah, I do. A new congresswoman who's 
hasn't taken her seat yet. That'll happen in the new year. In, a, in about a week. Yeah? yeah. She says that if the government shuts down, Congress shouldn't be paid. And I agree. Yeah. If they're yeah. causing the shutdown, they shouldn't be paid. What's what, what's going on? <laughs> right, I mean, exactly. how does it make sense any other way except that gives them more opportunity to shut it down, yeah. makes them feel better about it. Yeah. They can go home, celebrate Christmas with their families, celebrate the holidays with their family. We already know that it's not even going to be touched until the new Democratic Congress that's is right. seated. I guess that's the good news is that the Repub- they're now out of session. They're not that the Republicans are going to come back you know, today or next week and start passing all this crazy legislation, which I thought they might do in the in the lame duck session. So it that's that ship has sort of sailed. So now it's just waiting for the Democrats to come in and to take control of the House. Meanwhile, an Iraq war veteran living in Florida created a GoFundMe titled We the People Will Build the Wall. Oh, yeah. Which raised 17 million dollars of its one billion dollar goal. Why don't they raise the money and educate themselves? How about that? Yeah. <laughs> a GoFundMe site created to provide relief in Indonesia after the earthquake and, su- and tsunami in September. Just to give you some perspective. Yeah. That tsunami and earthquake killed 2,200 people and injured 10,000 others. It raised $128,000. Yeah. So we have real lives on the line and we get $100,000. We get a jackass's wall that won't do any good. That won't do any good. And we good. get 17 million. By the way, I don't think there's anyone credible who no. believes that a spiked wall is going to prevent people from coming into this country. Yeah, yeah. That, that, no, I don't think anyone. Yeah. This is a, this is a this is an inconvenient fact, but immigration has been going the other way for yeah. for years now there are less people coming into the country over, over there are the more Mexican people border. leaving the country yeah. going home than there are coming into the country an underwater landslide caused by activity from the anak krakatoa volcano is being blamed for a tsunami that struck indonesia killing 222 people and injuring more than 800 others normally the u.s geological survey would report on such events but it can't, because we're shut down. Because we're shut down. And the sh- government shutdown not only slows scientific progress, yeah. but it endangers lives. Yes. Oh, yeah, Molly. <laughs> There's growing evidence that the lead up to genocide follows familiar patterns. Genocide. Yeah. So we can kind of predict it. Right. Not when it's going to happen, but that certain places are hotbeds. And if they do, we should be able to see genocides coming. If these patterns can be read. Since 2014, the Holocaust Museum and scholars from Dartmouth have mapped the conditions that precede genocide. They use that computer, computer model to analyze which nations currently are at greatest risk. The museum's computer model analyzes statistics that you might think have nothing to do with genocide, fluctuations in per capita gross domestic product, infant mortality rates, overall population. They're indicators of inequality, poverty, and economic instability. Well, duh. They also plug in (laughs) data about recent coup attempts, levels of authoritarianism, civil rights, political killings, and ethnic polarization. Yes. And they were able to uh, not predict, but foresee the Rohingya Myanmar genocide. Right. The Democratic Republic of Congo is currently at risk followed by Afghanistan and, and the Congo just 
had a riot just yesterday. Right. So this Congo, Afghanistan, and Egypt is number three on the list right now. By the way, there's the re- there is the Democratic Republic of Congo, and then there's the Congo. So there are two different countries, which blew my mind. I th- always assumed that they were one country. So, But you're right. They are having problems as we speak. There are increasing tensions yeah. over we're talking about Republic, the, Dem- the Democratic Republic, Republic of Congo over elections, a failed sort of election process, all the other factors that you're talking about. And you, you threw in the ethnic divides, which really yeah. to me is is rooted in sort of this religious fanaticism among people who feel so strongly that they're willing to kill someone who doesn't have the same belief system. And by the way, also on that list of predicted genocides, Afghanistan, Egypt, South Sudan, Pakistan, Yemen, and all of those have at least a 16% chance, according to this new study, of, of experiencing some form of genocide. I thought it was more 15 I gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I mean, sixteen percent. I'm you know, sorry. I, I don't think they can be that precise. Well, they're, they're you know, using they, their formula. Yeah, I'm just yeah, saying. Using, I just they, I know they come out with a figure. They spit yeah. out a figure. <laughs> the factors are there. Congress passed a bill that could make it easier for you, Mike, to access public data released by the government. The House approved the Open Government Data Act as part of a larger bill to support evidence-based policymaking that requires that federal agencies must publish any non-sensitive info into a machine-readable format. Oh, good. Why can't they just say something for your smartphone or laptop? Oh, right. <laughs> machine-readable. <laughs> Sounds like some wonk is putting that together. <laughs> and non-sensitive. What we're talking about is military secrets or something that right. we don't want anybody to compromise national know. security. Right. The act also insists that agencies appoint a chief data officer to oversee all open data efforts the bill is next headed to Trump's desk. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know why he wouldn't sign it, except that he is Donald Trump. Yeah. I don't know exactly what the rationale would be. Well, Apparently, take credit for it is what right. he did. Apparently, passed with very significant majorities yeah. in both houses. California, right here, we're in danger of losing a House seat after adding two point. One a million people. Yeah. We may lose a seat. Right. We currently have 53. Yeah. From 2010 to 2018, California added 2.3 million people. We're already the most populous state in the U.S. We're close to 39.6 million here. Our population increase of 6.2% has been greater than the 6% increase across the country. But due to the whacked rules, the way they figure this out, and state representation, we might lose a seat in the House of Representatives, right. which means we'd lose a seat in the Electoral College. Right. That's at probably at least as important. If you want to get wonky, congressional districts are roughly 700,000 people. The problem right now is that apparently Montana is close to exceeding its 700,000 population, yeah. which means they would get a, our seat. If they would take it away from California. Montana. Yeah, Montana. They, they need more representation there. <laughs> yeah. Montana. They have two senators. Yeah. We have three times as many people here in Orange in, County, in Corne- Orange County than, than Montana. Montana. Yeah. yeah. Three times as yeah. many. What do we we have like we have over a tenth two. of a of a senator <laughs> <Right>. representing us. <laughs> 
They got to do something about about representation. They have to do country. something about the democratic process gotta, in this country. They got to expand the Congress. Either expand the Congress. There has to be some substantial reforms in the way that our democratic system works. Well, there's 435 representatives, like we said, yeah. in in the in uh, House of Representatives. California has 53. Yeah. West Virginia, Rhode Island, Pennsylvania, and Minnesota could lose some seats too. Okay. While Florida, Texas, and Colorado could gain seats. Okay. As things stand, California would just barely hold on to its 53rd seat. Yeah. But like you said, Montana could could take it away if yeah. they just have that little boost. What do you say? It's like a thousand. Uh, is it cl- it's very yeah. close. Yeah, very close. So if you're thinking about moving from here in California to Montana, don't. Don't. <laughs> if you care about us. Yeah. Who'd want to be there anyway? Nah. Big sky country. That's what you got? A big sky? Hey, you know, I hate to tell you folks, but everybody has a big sky. You got pretty landscapes. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm sure four months out of the year, it's not freezing cold. So, yes, it's... All the things that California has produced yeah. for the country. Yeah. And yet, we're going to lose representation to Montana? <laughs> I know, I know. And finally, in 2017, astronomers spotted the mysterious interstellar object Oumuamua. Have you heard about this? Thing? Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, this is fascinating to me. I, I Yes, I'm glad you're bringing it up. Oh, but you've probably seen a photo of Oumuamua. Yeah. It, it looks to be a long rock cigar yes. streaking across the sky. Right. Oumuamua. But it's not behaving like a rock star. No. Now a study by Harvard's professor Avi Loeb suggests Oumuamua is propelled by light. So it could be an alien probe. <laughs> yeah, Mother. Aliens. Well, I have personally... Mother's met aliens. I, well, I, I believe that. Well, that would explain why he's often seen way out in the backyard in the woods yeah. surrounding uh, the the station here at yeah. UCI yeah. calling he seems like he's calling to his people I saw a UFO once I was walking my dog with my dad yeah with your dad yeah we're in uh, Sepulveda California in the middle of the San Fernando Valley yeah I look toward Studio City and my dad does too we see something that from our perspective looks to be maybe a mile long Really? And it's moving slowly over the hills. It has running lights on it, and it's moving slowly, and you could see it disappearing in perspective behind the hills. That's how I knew I had an idea of the size. That was my perspective. Yeah. And my dad and I just look at each other and go, well, that's my, that's my dad and me. You know, stoic. Yeah, well, there it is. What do we do? Do we change our lives and claim that there are aliens and dedicate our lives to... Uh, well, there are to, people that have. Yeah, there yeah. are people that no, have done just you know, that. Yeah. We got things to do. I understand. He has to go to work the next day. Yeah. And well, I got to... Uh, you got a radio show host to do. a show, yeah. yeah so. <laughs> now, this is when I was like 15 years old. Yeah. Newspaper next day says it's the second stage of a Soviet missile falling into the Pacific. Well, it wasn't falling. <laughs> it was by no stretch of the imagination was it falling. Right. And I'm not aware that something falling as a second stage of a missile has running lights. Anyway, oh, Muamua, 
is propelled by light. It has a cigar shape that's five to tens longer than it is wide. A spiky thing. Yeah. It doesn't look like any asteroid we've ever seen. It also deviates from the orbit that we'd expect based on the sun's gravity, and that's due to some extra force working on it. This is what gets them thinking. Yes, well, that's exactly right. It seems to be propelled, self-propelled, yeah. it seems. For comets, that force would be provided by the evaporation of ice on the surface. That's what gives it a tail. That's what gives a comet a tail. There's no tail on Oumuamua. <laughs> Researchers are contemplating a mission to chase down Oumuamua and take a flyby photograph, but it's way too fast. Is that right? It's yeah, really yeah, that fast? Yeah. Okay, wow. Yeah, and we, we couldn't, our current rocket technology couldn't catch up to this guy, Oumuamua. It could be some defunct technological equipment from an alien civilization yeah. or a reconnaissance mission from beyond or maybe it uh, could be Mahler's space toy. <laughs> you can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.